guys, welcome back. This is the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and housed on the Rebel Alliance Media Network. Check out the Ezra Institute for articles, blogs, um, lectures, debates, all kinds of great resources. Uh, And we've got uh, a real kindred spirit, brothers in arms relationship with the Rebel Alliance. And we, uh, I would encourage you to go and check out Check out their uh, their website as well. Check out their social media posts. Check out the uh, the Rebel Alliance podcast. the uh, The podcast that uh, that my kids have been listening to lately is uh, Systematics for Saplings with uh, with the Van Brimmer family and their kids, and really enjoying that as well. What was that other thing? Anyway, go and uh, <laughs> so go go and check out the Ezra Institute at EzraInstitute.ca and check out RebelAllianceMedia.com and there is so much great stuff there to help you understand and interact with and uh, engage with with the culture uh, from a thoroughly scriptural worldview. On this episode, I'm excited to welcome back Rachel Aris. Rachel's my wife and we've been talking a lot about uh, hospitality, and that's the subject of, uh, of this week's episode. It's a spin-off of the time that we spoke last week on the, uh, the place of the home in, the, uh, in the, the ongoing cultural war that we find ourselves in. And this is a, uh, a zeroing in on the, uh, the hospitable aspect of the home. And we're going to get into what hospitality means from a biblical perspective how that that view has been corrupted and truncated and uh, and secularized in the world and how Christians have unwittingly bought into that uh, that secular worldview while still trying to use the same Christian term. We get into who hospitality is for, who it should be extended to, who should practice it, how it differs from the world and some some of the how to overcome some of the uh, the the common hindrances or common objections that uh, that a lot of people might experience when they're when they're thinking about hospitality or feeling like like this is something that they might be called to be doing, and you are called to be doing it. And here are some uh, we and and we get into some of the some of the common objections and how to how to respond to that. So I hope I hope you enjoy it. It was a real blessing to uh, to have this conversation. Welcome back, Rachel. Thank you. It's good to have you back here again. And we had some really good feedback about uh, last week or the show a couple of weeks ago that you did with us on the home as a uh, a cultural as a front in the cultural war. And one of the things that uh, that I wanted to follow up on is something that uh, that's close to the home and is related to the home. Uh, and that's uh, specifically the the question in the matter of hospitality. And this is a this is a big topic for a lot of reasons, um, and we'll we'll get into all of that. But uh, like Christians are told, there's several scriptures where we're told to, uh, to be hospitable, to practice hospitality. Yeah. Um. But uh, we've got we don't we don't know necessarily what what that means uh we've 
because we've got a, uh, in some cases, a worldly definition, and it's the only definition that we know of uh, that's based in the hospitality industry or what, uh, or so some idea, some unbiblical idea of hospitality where, where that word's been taken over to, to be uh, filled with new meaning. Yeah, I think unlike some of the other uh, big issues, hospitality is not one, like it's not, uh, nobody's trying to redefine hospitality to make it mean something it just doesn't, like marriage or woman or one of those things. It's not the same sort of um, trigger word that I think some of the other stuff is. I, I think that maybe what's happened is hospitality has just gotten shrunk down um, to, to include less of what it should, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So, so we've, we've got a, a truncated view of, yeah. of hospitality? Yeah, so I think, um, I, yeah, so I mean, well, why don't we define hospitality? You've got a good one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's there's loads of uh, of definitions, um, but uh, the one that I the one that I come back to again and again, not because it's correct, it's it actually comes from uh, Ambrose Burse in in his little book, The Devil's Dictionary, and he uh, where is it here? Under H. Okay, slow down. Okay, yeah, there it is, right above hostility. Um, hospitality, a noun, the virtue which induces us to feed and lodge certain persons who are not in need of food and lodging. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, this was written in the, uh, the 1800s. Like, this is, this is not a sort of, you know, postmodern cynic kind of definition this is uh this is something that was that was going around 200 years ago yeah yeah and i think it actually still is a pretty good definition um of worldly hospitality hospitality i i don't i don't think a lot of non-christians use it when they're talking about their own i'm i'm speaking just i don't have any hard evidence here i'm just I'm trying to think of the people I know who use that word, and I think the people who use that word are Christians. I think um, non-Christian friends of mine who have people over, who host, mm -hmm. don't talk about it as hospitality. So when I did um, my extensive research involved, involved me... Um, to, uh, looking for hashtag hospitality on Instagram. Okay, I mean, <laughs> and just to see like what comes up when you, that word is used, and what comes up is fine dining, and mm -hmm. hotels, and it is it is something for people who can afford it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It is something for people who don't need food and shelter because they actually probably have great living situations and um there's also a lot of jokes about uh 
when you when you Google just a quick what's a definition of hospitality hospitality and then there will be some there will be some quotes and there's a lot of sort of tongue in cheek joking about can't wait till it's over kind of thing. Like there's always mm. this sort of joking of like, whew, that's done. Now we can actually enjoy ourselves. Or right, right. Doing it, um, you know, and I do, I do know um, people who would not call themselves Christians who are very hospitable. Um, and I think that's something that they give and share with friends and family. You know, I was mm-hmm. trying to think mm-hmm. as a non-Christian, uh, or, you know, somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible and try to rule their life according to it, what, what possible motive would they have for opening their home to strangers? Like, that would be kind of weird, right? Why, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. do that if you don't have um, a reason? So... I know people who love to be around other people, who love to cook, who love to invite people over to their cottage. And those are for friends and friends of the family and those kind of things. And I don't think that's bad. It's right. just a very narrow view of what hospitality is or ought to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is like, is there a... Because when, when I hear about these kinds of things and when I when you when you talk about restaurants and hotels and like a hospitality experience that you pay for like where there's a there's a blurring of the line there like like i said at the beginning of the hospitality industry um with uh what would maybe be better called entertainment yeah so a lot of i was trying to think we were trying to just the other night we were trying to come up with how would you actually even define hospitality so when i'm looking to see what you know all the different dictionaries are saying a lot of them have almost every one of them talks about the host and the guest if hospitality is happening there's a host who is doing the giving and there is a receiver there is a guest who is receiving what the host is offering and almost every single one of them interestingly talks about the kindness the generosity the giving the goodwill of the host toward the guest. So for hospitality to be happening, um, there is there is a responsibility on the host to be doing the action. Yeah. Right. And that's really interesting because then why are we using that word for services that the guest is paying for, right? The guest is paying for a service. They're, they're getting a product, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really interesting. Because when we do think of hospitality, we are thinking about food. And yeah. we are thinking about homes. And maybe if we have um, a, a slightly broader sense, we're thinking about overnight guests. Um, so food and lodging and rest are all tied into that. And it's funny how hospitality now... Um, probably most widely used is used to mean like hotels and restaurants Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not that original use of you know goodwill from the host toward the guest is missing yeah even though there are these two parties but the action is then actually the guest is asking for it 
Yeah. Yeah, soliciting something mm -hmm. or, or a product. Yeah, exactly. A service. So I mean, it's really funny. Um, the uh, like the actual the the definition of hospitality. You asked about that, and if we go to uh, to scripture, there are a few instances where uh, where the apostle Paul uh, exhorts uh, the Romans to practice hospitality, mm -hmm. or he says to uh, to Timothy that an elder is one who should be hospitable. Uh, and the, the the word there is uh, philozenon, uh, which literally means love for strangers, hmm. and it's uh, it's it's actually the same word that uh, uh, grew out uh, from Latin, uh, where we get the modern word hospital. Right. Like it's uh, <laughs> which I mean is yeah. is an obvious linguistic connection, but you know I mean. We don't really equate fine dining and hospitals, um, but it's it's that same idea of a hospital is the place where the stranger goes to be cared for. Right, and uh, physical needs. Right, at a hospital, your physical needs are met. Um, and we'll talk more about hospitals later. I okay. Have things to say about hospitals later. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think then if we're looking at uh, a biblical. Um, definition. I think hospitality is a word Christians use a lot, and there is some sense of this is a responsibility of Christians. I think I, not so much now, but I think um, in the past, I people who use that word, Christians who are using that word are talking about people who are especially gifted at hospitality. Like it's, it's one of the gifts and it's something that certain Christians do as they're, you know, there are people who preach, there are people who show hospitality. Yeah. Um, I think though, similar to with the home, um, it, it, we've just, are thinking about hospitality, the home and hospitality has, is maybe broader than a worldly definition of it, but it's still, it's still shrunk down from what I think it used to be and what I think it ought to be. It's still a more narrow, um, a more narrow realm than, um, than what we'd like. Mm, we're we're still not getting at the fullness of the yeah. uh, the the term or the yeah. the understanding. Well, it looks like, you know, some people might say it's, um, you know, foster care. If you're somebody who shows hospitality, it's because you're a hosper, uh, a foster, a foster parent. Right. Or you know, I have a lot of the church people over, or I host church events, and that's how I show hospitality. So in some ways, it's almost like we figure out our particular brand of it, but it's, you know, some way of having people over. Mm -hmm. and I know, I know that, um, which is a thing, it right? Is, like, and it's a good thing and it's a worthwhile thing. And I'm definitely not knocking that. Um, I think it's just, we, we have an idea of what hospitality looks like for me, my form of hospitality. And then we tend to stay within the confines of, my style of hospitality—that's something that happens. Um, I th I think in a lot of areas, this there's this. We have this this thing about change, 
I, um, where we really feel like that's not an option for us. Like we can't, I'm, this is how I am and I can't really change. I, I never learned this, so I can't possibly learn it now. Yeah. Um, this is how our home is and we can't possibly change that or, and I mean, there are real limitations. I'm not saying you just have to try hard enough and you can change everything about yourself and your home and your circumstances. That's not, that's not it. But, um, yeah, just, we, we kind of think, well, here I am and here I shall stay. I, I have one guest room and so we do, we can have two people and one child stay or two people and one child, yeah. two <laughs> and one child, one right. yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, um, that's kind of it. And we can never, we can never think about going beyond that because this is what we know. So mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. confined by what we know or what we can do. And we don't, we don't want to, to grow from there. Which is kind of like a, again, like a, the hotel or the service industry way of thinking about it. Like, yeah. you know, here's your bed. You're obviously not going to like, yeah. there are obvious Brand limitations <laughs> there. And, yeah. and okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people understand, a lot of Christians understand that the stranger, so you might invite the new person over mm-hmm. who visits your church and that's good. Um, I think for Christians, it usually includes food, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is also good. And we might have, if we've got a, you know, if we're particularly broad-minded, we might also, you know, lodging and clothing would be thrown in there as well. Um, but I think if we, yeah, if we look at examples in the Bible, I was just thinking today, I hadn't really thought about it in these terms before um but we are you know family happens in homes and we are adopted children and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are there is a home being there in in my father's house are many rooms that i yeah. prepared for you like we're being we're going to be brought home we're going to be taken care of which i've i mean i i've talked this way before but hospitality is not just to our friends and people who are outside our home who are coming in but if you're looking at this as there's a a giver and a receiver and there's kindness and love and goodwill from the giver to the receiver that's kind of the relationship between a parent and child Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can show hospitality to my children in my home just like my heavenly father will show me hospitality and has by adopting me. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, there are a lot of Christians in this area, um, in the Niagara region, there are a lot of Christians who foster and adopt and that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. What a huge act of hospitality. And that's really, I mean, that's what God has done for us. It's hospitality. You know, that's the kind of a big, um, big picture thing. And then, yeah, there's all the, the mentions of any any of those books, you know, Timothy, and um, in the in the epistles, there's all these. How should a Christian act? Mm-hmm. 
one of the things on the list will always be hospitality. Christians ought to show hospitality. And right. One, yeah. I actually don't know which translation it is, but in Romans 12, 13, one translation says, seek to show hospitality, like go and look for it. Mm. Don't just yeah, it yeah. Happen, but like go out, find right. people to be hospitable to, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also just realizing. Yeah, like the, uh, the parable of the wedding. Mm-hmm. Go out and find yes, whoever's find, there. Yes, right. yeah. The highways and byways. Yeah. Bring them in. Compel um, them to come in. Yeah. And I, the other thing um, is that Paul, well, Jesus' ministry, but and Paul's ministry were only hos, or only possible. I keep trying to put H's in front of all my words. Um, only possible through the hospitality of the saints. So we, we have this hang up, um, which comes from several different places, but we, we need to get over this idea that the person preaching has the most important job. Like Paul, Paul's job to go out and preach was essential. Yes. So were the women and the men who took care of him so he could go out and preach. Their job was just as important. The people who um, who gave him a bed, who fed him, who cared for his physical needs, they were doing God's work too. Mm-hmm. So we can't put, we can't make this hierarchy of, you know, well, the ministry jobs and we're just supporter, you know, support players who, you know, it's important, but we're kind of, well, no, like, Paul could not do what he did. All of it is vocational. All of it is your calling. All of it is God's work. So um, Paul and Christ and the other apostles are going out and being shown and accepting hospitality from believers. And um, that's, that's important. Like their, their jobs, their missional work was necessary it was it was essential to the spreading of the gospel yeah right yeah so uh so those are those are some of the some of the things that we have that we've reduced hospitality to but uh what's what's been cut out what's the what's the full picture that uh, that's sort of off scene for uh for a lot of us yeah um so fellowship is another word that we hear a lot to have fellowship all together and that's I mean that can look like so many things but having fun together laughing together eating playing um being together doing life together that's still within the range of what we kind of expect and normal um I think hospitality is also about um encouragement and exhortation you know in uh we said uh, talking about the home the home is a place where you can run plays you can and a place where you listen after listening to the sermon you apply it and you do that not just with your own family members but when you have christians your brothers and sisters over you encourage them not flatter them but godly encouragement and it goes both ways um the person who owns or rents the house is not always the host right so we might have people over 
And they may have words of encouragement and exhortation for us while they're in our home. We are, you know, there's sort of a, sometimes those roles, you know, they're not rigid. Sometimes, um, sometimes they, they change. I, I had a friend come the other week. She came to my home and watched my kids so I could go out. So she's coming into my space, but then she's showing kindness and goodwill and service towards me so that I can go out and do my thing. So in my home, I'm the guest sometimes too. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's just the, when you're, when somebody has opened up their home for, you know, in hospitality towards others, it is a place then where there can be mutual encouragement. We're speaking the truth out loud to one another. We're reminding each other. We're, um, what's the word, sort of like, yeah, we can do this. What's the word? Exhortation. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, pump it up. Yeah. Well, like stay the course kind yeah. of thing too. But it's also a, a time where you can seek counsel and give counsel and there can be con- conviction and confession of sin. Um, and, you know, it's a place where you can come and, and work out problems together, you know, in like in a closer physical proximity. We're not just writing emails or something, you know. Um, again, all of those I think are, you know, we have Bible studies in our homes and that kind of thing. So we're still more comfortable with those things. Um, I was thinking that um, the Bible has these three major repeated metaphors in marriage, childbirth, and eating. We, those are used over and over. The Bible starts with a marriage. It ends with a marriage feast. So the idea of eating everywhere, it's, it's all throughout. Um, but then these other things like the marriage, the marriage supper of the lamb. And, you know, we start with Adam and Eve and a marriage, a coming together and the bride of Christ. And we see that image repeated. And then childbirth. I actually, um, when I'm just doing my, reading through of the Bible, I like to mark um, just with a little symbol or initial or something. Every time I come across um, a reference to childbearing, and hmm. it pops up everywhere. Is that right? The, it, you know, the earth is groaning as in yeah. child. And Paul yeah. uses that metaphor a lot too. But um, yeah, and the same, I'll draw a little cup next to any reference to eating and drinking. And again, that's everywhere. And those three things are what happen in a house. There, there's a marriage, you know, ideally there's a marriage, there are children, and there's a lot of eating. So we are in the home. I probably should have said this last week, but I only realized that it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are living metaphors. We are living out these metaphors. And I think they're used because they're so much a part of the human experience so we can taste and see the gospel when you've got a you know a healthy marriage and children are being born and raised and there's the right kind of table fellowship well that happens in a home when and when you come into a home um, when you're invited in um, you get to participate in that whether or not you also have kids or you're single or um, so the home is is often where we show hospitality and we get to see these living metaphors mm-hmm. played out mm-hmm. before us. We get to see 
um, you know, a obviously broken, imperfect model of um, the union of the Trinity. You have, you know, you have marriage, and it's it's imperfect. It's it's fallen, but we are able to understand on some level um, the unity within the Trinity and. Um, yeah, and, and we, you know, in our feasting, in our eating, we have a small, you know, dimly as in a mirror, yeah. a picture yeah. of the supper that we're looking forward to, an actual feast at the at the end of the age. And um, so I think this, yeah, this, I mean, this really ties in to um, the last time uh, we've, well, the last time we talked on a podcast, we've talked since then. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it ties into just the home. When when hospitality is happening in the home, in a Christian home, um, yeah, we really get to we really get to experience the gospel on just another level. A lot of these things, right? We ev- the fact that we even have a hospitality industry, and you mentioned the hospitals and stuff. A lot of stuff that used to be just a part of hospitality are now shipped out to these other out-of-the-home organizations. Mm, we've so, farmed it out to the professionals. Yeah, yeah. so child care, hmm. um, the elderly. Um, but this this is probably where we're starting to get into territory that is m- more unusual or uncomfortable for us. But hospitality also included in the past um, the nursing of the unwell, caring for the aging, and mm-hmm. the home was the place where people were born and died. So the home was hmm. the hospital, right? So now, yeah, we take care of our kids when they have the flu. Some of us, some of us rush to the hospital the first chance we get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but we, we're used to, you know, the, the common childhood illnesses. And actually, before I go any further, I should say, my desire is not just to go back in time where we don't have modern medicine and where people died of things like strep. Yeah, um, I'm really thankful <laughs> yeah. for modern medicine, and we have taken our children to the hospital, and we're a big fan of inhalers for the people in our house who need them. So it's not that I'm saying let's all go back and have disease-ridden rats running around or something like that. Um, so, so there's, there's obviously a time. Authenticity. <laughs> um, so there's obviously a time and place for the hospital. And for some of these things, and I just just the qualification of I understand that there are times and circumstances that don't allow aging parents to be a home or whatever. So just, and and just, for going out to eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not to say never do that. Everything else always has to be at home, but um it used to be until actually relatively recently in human history that children were born into their families among their people at home and then when they died you were gathered to your people among your people you died at home mm-hmm. you convalesced at home mothers um were nurses and um and you would you know, your, your aging parents obviously stayed with you. And that's, I'm thinking back to, actually it was an article in Jubilee way back when that uh, David Robinson wrote about the Christian hospitality in times of plague. 
Hmm. Christians mm -hmm. stayed mm -hmm. when everybody else abandoned cities. That's right. And cared for the sick. They were showing hospitality in their own homes and in other people's homes by caring for the dying. So, um, yeah, so, you know, home birth is more of a thing now or whatever, but we've gotten so uncomfortable with any of the the grittiness of life being yeah. at home. And we, we don't have a sense of hospitality and messiness. You know, we talk about, oh, sorry, the bathroom's not clean when people come over, but the true grittiness of hospitality, like to actually, um, well, whoever, you know, he went to, Paul went to Ananias's house, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like the mm -hmm. guy was struck blind. You know, they're taking care of somebody who is not, physically at their best yeah you know so and he was a stranger there he wasn't a friend he was their enemy yeah very recently yeah so there somebody some woman was taking care of his bodily needs right and this is before indoor plumbing mm -hmm. so hospitality in um I mean, obviously, if you have company, like, give them their privacy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just feel like I need to give all these qualifications. But they just, we need to get more comfortable with awkward and uh, more on the more unusual hospitality of caring for people's physical needs, not just their, their hunger, right? Um, so we talked about the sort of the fellowship and stuff. So spiritual hunger and thirst and physical hunger and thirst and we have dinner and you know that kind of thing but there is this sense of you know when people tell you how they imagine dying it's you know dying at home surrounded by loved ones but I have an aunt who works in um, hospice and she yeah. said that's not the story for most people because people are afraid of death they're scared of it mm. and they do everything they can to keep their loved one alive so people usually spend the last you know I think it's something crazy like 80% of your medical expenses over your lifetime will be in the last few weeks of your life. Really? On tests and on procedures to save your life at the end. So there's there's no longer this comfort of, I don't know if that was just for her state or all over, mm. but it is, it, the, I, yeah, don't quote me on that. Yeah, yeah. But just the Still. majority of your medical expenses on your life are going to happen in the last two weeks of it because huh. we, are, we will rush to do everything to keep you alive, right? And there's no longer a sense of like, go home and die in peace in your home with your loved ones because we don't want death in our home. Just like we don't want, you know, the mess of birth or, you know, mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. And again, there are totally reasons why those things can sometimes need to happen in a hospital. But just to think of our homes as, you know, a, a plate it's the hospital it's the nursery and the sick room and it, the deathbed you know that's actually wouldn't it be amazing if our christian homes encompassed that if it wasn't just like oh yeah mom and dad are going into the home as soon as uh, as soon as they're unable to look after themselves what if we actually played with the idea of what if we took care of them mm -hmm. for as long as we could you know, under our own roof? What if we did the hospice care at home? Mm -hmm. What if a single person from church is recovering from a surgery and we said, do that here in our guest room so I can cook for you? And, you know, what if we, what if we just opened ourselves up a little more to the awkwardness and discomfort of caring for people's 
physical needs beyond just feeding them. So, I mean, you're, you're talking, you're talking about obviously scriptural things here, but it's not, it's not as if there are no unbelievers who do this. It's not as if there are no unbelievers who look after their old, their elderly parents. You know, do you know, do you know what I mean? Like we've got, uh, we've got non-Christian friends who like his, his grandmother doesn't, uh, doesn't live with them, but she, she, she does live in a uh, a long-term care mm-hmm. facility but they like they go over and they pick her up and bring her over to uh, to family events in their home mm-hmm. it's not it's not like they've sort of shut her up where they never yeah. have to think about her like i think in that in those kind of instances it's interesting to see that different cultures have retained that right so the example you're giving these are not um, North Americans, right? So mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. the culture, there's a much stronger sense of of showing respect for your elders by keeping them with you longer. So it, it, I don't sure. I mean, yeah. these are not necessarily Christian cultures, but there mm-hmm. is a, there mm-hmm. is a cultural element to that as well. So you will find a lot of non-Christian cultures that will still do that where I think in North America we've gotten away from it more. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that's all of our modern conveniences, maybe. That's probably true. Um, so there's... There, there's a lot here, like hospitality, like we've, like we've said, uh, is literally a love for strangers, a, uh, a showing of... A, a giving of care. Um... But uh, scripturally speaking, like there are, like I'm just thinking of Paul's command about uh, people who profess to be Christians, but they're living in open and unrepentant sin. And he says, with such a person as that, don't even eat. Mm-hmm. Like, are there, are there people excluded from hospitality? Yeah, and I think this is a huge difference between... Uh, between um, us and the world, right? Because we are supposed to extend hospitality to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our family, to the stranger, to the orphan and the widow, to basically everyone mm-hmm. except except the people who profess to be Christians but have um, have gotten out of fellowship and refuse to make it right. And we are to not even eat with them, like you said. And that's, um, that seems harsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I've heard, I've heard said, and I really liked, you know, with that strong, we're commanded to do that. We, we do not, um, I mean, it speaks to the importance of table fellowship for one thing. We don't even eat with people. We don't break bread with them. We don't yeah. share a meal. Yeah. Um, but I really liked where somebody was saying, but the second they're back in fellowship, open arms, come, come be with us again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there's not a, we don't get to, on the one hand, we don't, we don't get to eat with them if they're living in unrepentant sin and they profess to be Christians. That's, that's important. Um, but the second fellowship has been restored through the proper means, through confession and repentance and um, then we welcome them back. Then right? restoration you're, you're right, can, yeah, uh, can occur. Yeah, you're right back in. Um, 
So meanwhile, in the world, I think there are a lot of people you wouldn't have over. Like you're not going to just, you know, as soon as you like somebody and have made friends with them, yeah, come on in. But there's already a, you know, it's, it's always going to be the people I like and want. There's no, I don't like you, but I'm going to have you over anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't know, unless it's family and there's like weird guilt involved, I guess, right. responsibility. but there's no, there's already a bigger excluded party. You know what I mean? Like the, the circle of who I'm going to have in is just smaller to begin with where yeah. for Christians, yeah. we should really view everybody as potential guests. Well, this is for this one, this one situation. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is so symptomatic of a uh, of the contrast between the uh, the biblical and the unbelieving worldview uh, more broadly. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if this in this realm of hospitality, like, what's what's the standard? Who who mm-hmm. is eligible for hospitality? Well, for the Christian, we've got like you mentioned, very clear standards. Everyone except mm-hmm. professing believers in unrepentant sin. Whereas for for the unbelieving host, for the unbelieving entertainer, um, it's whoever I like and whoever my mom guilts me into inviting yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that uh, and like, oh, I'm not. Oh, we're not uh, really speaking with them right. this month. Or... Yeah, there's also a lot of jokes about needing to drink excessively when you're with your family members, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the guilt is a major factor for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I was even thinking I was going to say, oh, and of course you would never invite over people who, you know, were dangerous. And even there, like, no, don't invite known criminals into your home. On the <laughs> other hand, we need to just be more willing to trust the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm not actually saying invite criminals into your home. But we need to be willing to invite people in, strangers who we are not comfortable with, who don't seem safe to us. You know, we've got a neighbor um, who's from, based on the outside of his house, seems suspicious. Mm-hmm. I actually believe he has on the back of his car, um, you know the stick figure family. Yeah, yeah. He's got the stick. Yeah. One with like chasing them with a chainsaw. Yeah. I don't care about you. So like, I don't know that he's a criminal, but he doesn't seem wholesome, mm-hmm. shall we say? Mm-hmm. And even there, you know, you know, maybe it doesn't start with "please come over to our house," um, but maybe there is a need for a relationship. Maybe we need to introduce ourselves and yeah yeah talk on his lawn <laughs> but uh, but just the idea that first like, steps yeah yeah but it, i i think like the like the hospital thing the home is hospital thing um we we need to be careful not to um rigidly stay with our within our comfort zone so even people who don't seem safe who might even have more serious troubles you know this idea of we've got to protect our kids and i i do believe in protecting my kids but i don't think that means sheltering them from all the problems or you know i if i am commanded to show hospitality 
and I am trusting the Lord. I, I can trust him with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. somebody who's dramatically different than me. Um, somebody whose lifestyle is not acceptable. They're not calling themselves Christians, but they've got, you know, a lifestyle thing. Um, there are ways that I can still show hospitality. I can't just assume that they're excluded because of this one factor. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I was, that kind of leads into, um, the hindrances, things that kind of keep us from, from wanting to show hospitality. So you were, uh, you, we were all, we were also talking about uh, for for the Christian who wants to be hospitable, for the Christian who wants to take this seriously, but uh, again, for whatever reason, maybe maybe they never learned, maybe for whatever it is. Um, what are uh, what are what are some of the hindrances to hospitality? Uh, yeah, I there is I've sort of talked about all of them in different or some of them in different ways um the awkwardness thing this is uncomfortable i don't know how to invite people um i don't know how they're going to act when they're here you know all of those kind of things can be a huge deterrent like we really want to be comfortable and we don't want to put ourselves out there if it's then going to be it's going to feel like a night of work but that really goes back to that what we were originally talking about right if you are the host it can be super fun it's enjoyable it can even be relaxing but as the host you are the giver right? yeah you yeah. are not um the end game is not your reputation your comfort your good time that's not the goal so if you if it is uncomfortable for you that's actually not a problem so we can't think of awkwardness or discomfort being a reason not to do it it's just something for you to work through but it's not a reason not to do it yeah if you are defining or you know if you are thinking of hospitality as you know i want it to be nice for my guests and a good time for me then yeah awkwardness and discomfort is going to be a reason not to do it but that's just not what it means to host right um yeah, also the, the whole thing of, you know, everybody's favorite excuse, nobody showed me, my mom didn't do it, I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. You know, and that that's just like, well, now was the time to learn. And I just, I was also thinking, um, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman probably didn't start out as, you know, the together, <laughs> um, productive, you know, yeah, the, we're yeah. getting we're getting a snapshot when she's already partway through the journey. She didn't start out with a household of many kids and maid servants, and she didn't have a business. She grew to that, which means you gotta start somewhere. You know, you, yeah, you start yeah. small or whatever. And so I, it's it's not it's not a problem. To, ha- to be at the beginning of your hospitality journey. <laughs> it's right. not a problem to be, you are the first guests we've had. That's okay. That is, no, that is I rem- not an issue. I remember, uh, I think it was your mom, way, mm-hmm. way early in our marriage, um, when we were talking about, yeah, we'd love to have people over, but we're, you know, we're living downtown in this tiny little apartment. 
and she was saying like look if this is this is the time to practice it because if you don't do it in a small place like you're going to get into that habit and you're not going to do it in a big place like there's all there's always a reason you can find not to practice hospitality yeah. oh yeah and it's not to say all right we're living in a small basement apartment let's host somebody's wedding right that would be terrible don't do that <laughs> yeah. but you can start by inviting somebody over and you can you can push yourself to invite maybe somebody you're intimidated by over you know maybe it's your boss or your pastor yeah so it's like well we can have people over but nobody who actually makes more money than us or you know what i mean or who is in a higher station in life than us so start within your means but also expect to grow if you know you've got to You've got to be willing to, it's that, okay, I was, I was thinking, you know, the whole thing with a messy house, like I've got little kids, it's really hard to keep the house perfectly clean. Um, you know, I've got a potty training toddler, who knows what the bathroom's going to be like if you come to my house and mm -hmm. I haven't cleaned mm -hmm. it two seconds before you arrived. So having a disordered home is not necessarily a problem if your heart is not disordered if you have disordered thinking then then at the disordered ordered home is a problem so if you have a messy house and you've embraced this and then you stop even trying to clean it because messy hospitality and isn't it great how relaxed and comfortable we are and we're not you know that's actually uh, possibly that your heart is is not right that you're again you're worried more about your own comfort i don't want to i don't want to clean before people come it's too mm -hmm. much effort so mm -hmm. i don't care if people come to the mess and i'm just gonna you know so it's this difficult thing where on the one hand we need to be very open-handed and humble and it's it's going to be messy it's going to be um uncomfortable at the same time we are continually trying to grow we're still gonna put the effort in i'm still going to try to have a tidy house before people come over if it doesn't happen oh well so you can have a clean house and disordered heart or you can have a disordered house and a disordered heart or you can have messier clean house with a properly ordered heart if that makes sense mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah i think another um it's kind of what I referred to with Paul and the people who would host him. Um, but if we, if you've got in your mind that um, hosting and doing this is somehow less spiritual work, then you might not be motivated to do the hosting work beforehand you know maybe you're only gonna you're gonna stay in this little box of we can have one to two people over um and because because to host a big group or to take care of a sick person would require some creative thinking or maybe you'd have to learn how to accommodate somebody's dietary needs or you'd have to figure out the flow of hosting a big party with multiple courses and if you don't think the work of hosting and showing hospitality is actually vital Christian kingdom work, then you're not going to take the 
time to figure out numbers and figure out the best place to buy paper plates and do some of the do some of the intricate work involved in hosting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If it's if it's not really that important a job, I'm not actually going to take the time to maybe go out and buy extra plates from Value Village and learn a new menu item that could feed more people or yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. If we're yeah. if 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 you are like, well, okay, I'm I'm good to host one or two people but I could never do blank, whatever it is. Yeah, you've got like an upper limit threshold. Yeah, yeah. and you're not willing to ever grow past that. Um, then, um, you know, if the if the reason for that is that it's just not that important. If I I could use my time better doing, you know, some out-of-the-house work or whatever. Mm. Um, you're not going to take the time to to learn the skills, the practical skills needed to host well. Another really big hindrance for people is the time um, mm, and mm-hmm. the, the, the personal space thing. I think we, we talked about this last time. Um, to invite people in requires your time. One of the things you are giving one of the biggest things you're giving um and the thing you're giving every single time is time yeah you know, you're you are giving your personal space and um minutes on a clock um and it it can be intrusive right and i i think the the cure for this is to think better um, <laughs> you need to remember that it wasn't yours to begin with. Your time and um, your space and your, your personal time is another thing that you get to give back to God. And one of the ways you do that is through giving of your time and hospitality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, this whole thing of we can't possibly change is ridiculous because if you are a Christian who is being sanctified, then this is an area you can be sanctified in. Yeah, totally. This is something you can get better at. You can have more energy than you used to to host longer and bigger. You can be more willing to joyfully give of your weekends to, you know, host a child or a family you know you you can move on from your initial feelings about it if you are if you are growing in Christ then and you are willing to sacrifice that to the Lord which you are required to do mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. he can take that and use that um, so it it is going to take time. There's no getting around that. And if you limit yourself to, you know, I'm only going to have people over if I don't think they're going to stay for long, then you're not really willing to, you're not really willing to give that resource. You that's know? that's not hospitality. That's not love, yeah, right? Like that's yeah. not to, I keep you're going back to that. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is, I, and again, I mean, 
it's always tempting to give all these qualifications. There are times and seasons where we have not, you and I have not been able to have as many guests. Yeah. And, you know, time, the other one is money, right? It's expensive. It mm-hmm. can be expensive. And it's, there have been seasons where we've done a lot less of it, but we know from our own personal experience, we have felt the, the, we have felt the need and the desire to show hospitality and you know by god's grace we've done that and then there were times where it's like you know what it's just too tight we shouldn't be having people over or, you know we need to spend less on food when people are find cheaper meals or any time we have been grabby mm-hmm. about we just don't have time right now or this is just getting too expensive we can't afford this we as a family as a couple have not done well in the seasons where we intentionally restricted hospitality that lack of faithfulness came back negatively to us you know and the times where we have said okay well you know uh, yep just go go grab an extra bag of pasta or whatever and we've been willing to to just say, okay, Lord, like it's your money, it's your time, give us the strength, give us the means. We have been, we have been blessed by it. We, you know, we have actually enjoyed it and we have never wanted for money or things or whatever when we have been willing to share it. Mm. I mean, that's sort of our own personal thing, but I'm sure many other people would say the same. You know, if you are willing, if you are willing to trust the Lord with yourself, your time, your space, your money, um, in an act of faithfulness, um, he will be faithful to that. He will, he will see that. And, um, yeah, it's just, we can't, we can't be so protective of ourselves and our things and, uh, and I mean, it does require wisdom and it does require some thought. And uh, there are times where we haven't had as much company and that has not been a problem. And it's also an ongoing thing. Every time um, every time we have the opportunity to host, there are opportunities and temptations to sin as well in, in all of those things, even mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's an ongoing thing. And even if we've made strides in that, there will still be times to think this is just too expensive. We shouldn't be doing this. And, uh, you just gotta pray through it. <laughs> yeah. So, so last thing before, uh, before I ask for some, you know, further reading or listening is, um, what, uh, this, this is a, this is one of those areas where it's, immediately practical and people might be listening and thinking and being convicted that uh, they need to be practicing hospitality like what uh where do you where do you start what do you what are uh, what are some some tips or some uh some best practices or some uh, some principles for for starting out or for stepping up yeah um prayer for willingness and for opportunities, I think, is mm-hmm. an obvious place to start. Yeah. And just really working on thinking about it better. You know, it was just, it was God's to begin with. And 
um, this is required of me, this is, this is kingdom work, you know, talking, talking to yourself in that way and um, correcting your thinking you know, through prayer and all that um, is the first place. Um, if you really, you know, if I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this, then um, either learn a simple meal or memorize the pizza delivery number. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. show hospitality mm -hmm. by ordering pizza. You can, you can learn how to make spaghetti and um, make that for every guest who comes to your house for the next year. Don't mm -hmm. stay there. Like maybe also learn the Thai number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or a second pasta recipe you know don't plan to just stay there but it is not actually about the food you are serving or the quality of your sheets or the size of your home it's the willingness and that people who are guests in your home recognize that if they come to your home and you serve them almost inedible food but you are kind to them and they sense that they are wanted there, they will have a good time and you can laugh together about your bad cooking. You know, so just learn. I mean, there are ways to learn how to cook a very simple meal and start with a meal that like practice it for just your family or just yourself if you're really unsure. Um, but then just, just do it, like practice a meal and then the meal itself can be very simple and very basic and it doesn't have to be incredibly well thought out at first. Or honestly, if, if that is so much of a stress and hindrance, just order pizza um, and have people over with that. Um, and um, one thing, just any sort of removing of any superficial hindrances so the the talking about it as we get to do this with your kids and to yourself we get mm -hmm. to serve mm -hmm. others will actually go a lot like we have to do this is not very motivating um but also some of those superficial hindrances um like you know it doesn't it's hard to find time or whatever, like embrace the last minute invite and have a backup. One thing that we started doing is I just always buy um, a bag of um, corn chips and we almost always have cheese. So if nothing else, I can serve somebody nachos. Mm -hmm. you know? like, mm -hmm. I mean, we're a family with little kids. We also almost always have like bread and peanut butter yeah. and jam, I, right? Uh, I, I ate the nachos. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll have more uh um, yeah, boxes of mac and cheese like always have one simple staple that that's not super expensive or whatever so um so that you can do last minute invites after church or whatever um yeah and then just getting the kids involved and praying for your guests beforehand it really changes your heart if you pray out loud you know for the people who are coming on the weekend, you know, help them to feel loved, help us to be generous and willing hosts, and then getting ready for those guests with the kids. So we'll even say things to them like, you know, you know, we're going to tidy up your room and put all the toys back in their right sets because it'll be fun for your friends when they come to be able to find all the parts to the toy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say to them, I'll prepare them, like, you know, we're not going to require our guests to clean your room. 
Um, you know, one of the ways we get to serve our guests, you get to ser- serve your guests, is by, you know, making the room fun to come to in the first place and by being willing to tidy up afterwards. You are loving the Lord and loving your neighbor when you do that. Um, and letting them help set the table and maybe do something, you know, Izzy loves to write little name tags. Yeah, so she's yeah excited little place cards. Because she's going to write people's place cards. And, you know, sometimes I let them set the table and it does not look the way that I perhaps think it should look, but they're excited to serve their guests by laying out napkins and putting out the forks and the glasses. And so just creating this environment of the prep for this is fun and a family event. Like we're, we're on mission together. We are going to feed these people together and we're going to clean up afterwards. And one of the things that you and I do that makes, you know, I don't mind the cleanup after company because we'll listen to something or one of us will read a book out loud to the other while the other's doing dishes. And so it's not a burden. You know, we've, it has been in the past. I used to despise dishes. (laughs) So if I have a way, you know, a fun little trick to help me not, that's going to remove this superficial hindrance of, well, I can't have people over because then I'd have to clean. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. it's like, well, no, I'm going to enjoy it because I'm going to have, you know, we're going to, read the book that we're really into right now or whatever so yeah just you know your thinking and your language about it is important lots of prayer for willingness of your own heart for opportunities Um, actually pray for your guests before they come that's been a big one and uh, yeah just you know I guess the the probably the best thing I can recommend for further resource is a good cookbook Mm Um, America's Test Kitchen. They've got some great recipes. <laughs> Almost <laughs> always a hit. Yeah, no, they're really good. Okay. Um, um, Sally, yeah. I think her name is Sally. Sally and Sarah Clarkson. Um, they, they've, they both write a lot. Uh, the only book of theirs that I've read is called The Life-Giving Home. And I... I don't, I don't, I just don't love their style. Like it's not, they're not my favorite writers just on a stylistic level. Mm -hmm. Um, That book I found really helpful. It just talks about a very, you know, all the different ways you can make your, like very practical tips on how to make your home um, a place where people want to be and will feel welcomed from, you know, the art you have on the walls the things you can put in your guests' rooms, different kinds of events. Like, and she's talking about it for her own children, but for other people as well. She gives you ideas on some of the feasts and parties that they've done. And um, she's got a lot of resources. I This is the only book of hers that I've read. And um, like I said, um, a lot of really good it goes it goes through the home by season i think it's by month so hmm. it's just an interesting um yeah she's got she's got a podcast and she's all over the place um so i'm sure some of her other stuff is good as well um she is they are just kind of syrupy sweet so i see don't yeah. be deterred yeah. by that because the actual practical tips in that book in particular she has another one that i haven't read called the life-giving table which is probably also 
along the same lines as well. Mm. Um, oh, we should also mention uh, The Supper of the Lamb oh, by yeah. uh, Robert Farrar Capone. Yeah, that's a good one. He, he, hmm. Some of his theology is not good. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a, what is it? He, was he, he an Anglican or an Episcopalian in, uh, in the 60s and 70s? Um, but also like a really talented, dedicated amateur chef. Yeah. And yeah, the Supper of the Lamb, he takes you through just the different, different stages of of dining of and of uh, eating like the two phases of festal and uh ferial eating yeah um and there the whole is. the whole thing kind of uh slow, revolves around um he gives you the like part, the steps of a recipe or a, of a course for this uh this big uh lamb dinner at mm-hmm. the at the end is what it culminates in yeah and um it was written a while ago. Yeah. And the recipes themselves are just not what we'd eat. <laughs> like there's a recipe for aspic in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also, I, I always remember this because it was, it just stuck stuck out to me so much. There's one of the recipes calls for, for ginger. And he's saying like, try to get fresh ginger if you can. Like there are some special, and he's right. He's in New York, like New York yeah. City. He's like, there are some specialty stores where you can get fresh ginger, really try, like, or you can like, you know, there are some mail order services and like this guy's writing about ginger 50 years ago before it was like eight cents a pound. It's like cinnamon in the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another really good book uh, just on table fellowship uh, is uh, Doug Wilson's... um, confessions of a food catholic oh yeah yeah that's a really good one i think everybody should read it but if you have any food concerns or qualms or just it's it's so good it was a um it was a book that we read it's funny um but it really poked some bruises for me but Hmm. um, i really appreciated it and it's really um born fruit i think for me just helping me put food in its proper place um so that's a really good one because mm-hmm. hospitality mm-hmm. is often food is often involved it's not necessary but right um it is often um it is often involved so yeah, it's it's tough to have a right understanding of hospitality without a right understanding of food mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just yeah, the importance and richness of table fellowship is so intricately tied to hospitality. You know, you can't show hospitality if there, if there can't be table fellowship and just the idea of fellowship at all. Um, But yeah, that is highly recommend that book. That one's, that one's really good. Mm -hmm. No, those are, those are some great, uh, great starting points. Uh, Rachel, thanks again for for coming on the show. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please take a moment to like, share, and rate the podcast on social media and your favorite listening platform. For more resources, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca.